And so when things don't go as planned, take a moment and say, good. That must mean that God has something even better. This week I got hit by a rental car. Have you ever been run over by a rental car? Hurts. Mm, that was a good one. I like that one. Welcome to episode 130. Um, if you're wondering, I did not really get hit by a rental car. That means you're a first-time listener. We start every episode with a dad joke. And if you are a first-time listener, please rate and review this podcast wherever you are listening to it. It helps other people find it, and we're so appreciative of that. If you are a first-time or long-time listener or anywhere in between, uh, please also share this with anyone you think would benefit from it. And the highest compliment you can pay us is your recommendation, especially when it's on social media. And if you do that, please make sure you tag us. We're at at Mana Food for Thought on Instagram, at Mana F, the number 4T on Twitter. And you can find all of that information on our website, manafoodforthought.com, as well as become a sponsor or uh, donor for, uh, what am I trying to say? Click on the Patreon button, and you can be a financial sponsor for this podcast, a patron, and patrons get perks. And you can also see all of our blog content, really old, cringy vlogs, and um, all of our podcasts that we've ever come out with, as well as our weekly Bible studies, our psalm reflections, all those different things. So um, yeah, without further ado, let's get into joy, junk, and Jesus. So my joy this week has been that um, in the midst of a lot of trial and chaos, um, things just came together. Things just came together. And I think that's you know how I really experienced Jesus in the midst of all of this too, because there's been a lot of junk. Uh, and so junk has been, um, well, I want to share, first of all, also joy in Jesus is that um, we got to see the DiBernardos and, and hold their new little baby boy who was born, Oliver. And um, we got to go to the Blessing of the Animals um, at our parish. Um, and our pastor was installed as our official pastor. Uh, but in the midst of all of that, um, our family's been sick. You can hear still the ramifications in my own throat. I had a coughing fit last week that was so bad that I nearly lost my voice, couldn't speak. Um, could, I still can't really sing. Um, so I, fe- I have to keep telling people, I feel so much better than I sound. I don't have COVID. Um, I'm not currently ill, so you do not have to worry. Um, it's just, I, I'm very hoarse and I have to talk in a lower register to comfort my voice. So all of that being said, in the chaos of this week, there's also been like, we have a big parish garage sale happening and we had that pastor installation thing. So RCIA, my Catholicism 101 got moved. My Bible study got moved to all these different places. Everything was in kind of disarray this week and my in-laws were gone. And so are gone this week. And so we didn't have them to help with childcare. A whole schedule was kind of backwards. And then the in-laws ended up getting sick as well before they left. So they couldn't go on their vacation, which is a huge bummer. And so all of these things kind of coming together. And it just made me think about like, what, what do we do as Catholics when things do not go as planned? Whether it's the plans that we've set forth, the idea we had about what God was doing in our life, our vocation, our discernment, you know, a certain goal or aspiration that we have. What do we do when things do not go as planned? And so I turn to scripture, as we always do in these episodes, and I just want to read to you a few passages, you know, so I'm sure you can relate in some capacity because we all 
you know, we all have a longing for what is eternal and we cannot fully experience that here on earth. And so in some way, shape or form, we all are desiring something that is going to fall short or we're not going to see our plans realized or our hopes or goals fully mature in the way that we thought. And we've all experienced that before. Very likely you're experiencing it now in some capacity. So what does the Bible, what does the church have to say about that? So I went back all the way to Numbers uh, chapter 23. And remember in the book of Numbers, this is when the Hebrew people, they're wandering through the desert. And they've for generations been hearing about this promise of the promised land, but they haven't realized it yet. It hasn't been uh, something that they've experienced yet. It's been hundreds of years, actually. And so they're wandering in the desert, wandering in the desert. And then this is what is spoken to them. It says, God is not a human being who speaks falsely, nor a mortal who feels regret nor a mortal who feels regret. Is God one to speak and not act, to decree and not bring it to pass? And to me, I read that and it reminded me like, it's not in God's nature to do things in our lives that result in despair. Okay, God claims that he is faithful, that he is loving, and he reveals himself to be just that in the person of Jesus Christ. And Jesus confirms that. And God is not a liar. Jesus is not a liar. And so, is God one to speak and not act, to decree and not bring it to pass? No, he is faithful. And so it's not in his nature to do something that's going to result in our suffering or our despair. Now, suffering exists because of sin, because of our choices or the choice of choices of others, or because we live in a fallen world that's been corrupted by sin. God will not violate or supersede our free will, but he will use absolutely everything that is happening and try and bring it toward our greatest possible good. We return always to that passage. I feel like I quote it all the time in Romans 8, verse 28. I mean, we should tattoo this on our foreheads. Uh, all things work for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Like he's always working for good. And the prophet Isaiah, you've probably heard this before. I've quoted it before on the podcast many times. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, oracle of the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, my thoughts higher than your thoughts. You know, we don't always know or understand how God is going to provide or how he's going to work, but we know that he does, and we know that he will, because he is faithful and he's proven it time and time again. And so whatever despair you may be feeling in your own life, I want to encourage you with the words of Proverbs chapter 3, very famous proverb, uh, Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. On your own intelligence, do not rely. In all your ways, be mindful of him, and he will make straight your paths. He will make straight your paths. It reminds me of, like, <clears throat> the lines on the road, you know, the painted lines or, like, in our neighborhood, they just repaved, like, all of the main streets, and they haven't repainted the lines. And But, you know, like, we kind of generally have a sense of where we go, but when the lines are there, especially when they're freshly painted, or you could think about this also as like guardrails. I grew up in the mountains and, you know, people come up and down the mountains and people who aren't used to living there, they're not used to driving in the fog, sometimes the ice and the snow. And for many years when I was growing up, they didn't have guardrails, you know, along every part of the edge of the mountain. And so many people would drive off accidentally the side of the mountain in the fog or in the dark, not knowing which way the road was going. And so God provides these lines or these guardrails to reveal to us that like he's faithful, that when we begin to pay attention to them, we suddenly start going in the right direction. But if we're like, no, I want to go over here. 
I want to go in this place and it's like diagonal to the road. And then we look down and we're like, why is everything like in disarray? Why aren't the lines pointing this way? What is going on? And God is just like, hey, dude, just get on the road. Get on the road and realize it might curve toward where you want to go eventually, but you can't just drive right there through the barriers and through neighborhoods. No, this is the way that I am taking you. And so when we trust in the Lord, we can begin to look for those guardrails, those road lines in different areas of our life and begin to just pay attention to how is God speaking? What opportunities, what opportunities is he presenting to us? What opportunities are being taken away? And just notice how the Holy Spirit is moving, how we receive all of those things, what we feel drawn to, what we feel um, we are repelling. Uh, I think we just had in the, in the, the lectionary at Mass this reading from uh, the prophet Habakkuk, or Habakkuk as it's sometimes pronounced, chapter 2, where um, Habakkuk is kind of like, he's kind of like uh, like angry at God. Like, what what is supposed to be happening? Like, look at everything that's been going on here, Lord. Like, we're in total disarray. And the Lord answers him, and he says, um, write down this vision. Make it plain on tablets so that the one who reads it may run. For the vision is a witness for the appointed time, a testimony to the end. It will not disappoint. If it delays, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not be late. So God here is telling Habakkuk, like, not only do I want you to know this, but I want everyone to know. I want you to write this down for everyone to see. There is a plan. I have a solution. There is an appointed time. It will surely come. It will not be late. And for me, I have to ask myself, like, am I clear in what I want? Am I clear in the desires that I have? Have I really thought about them? Because if I have, then I have a vision and I have to entrust that vision to God and see if it aligns with his vision. And if it does, then I have to know that it's God's, if it's God's will, it will happen. And very likely, if I have a vision that aligns with something that God would want for me, it's good, it's holy, you know, it's, it's not morally evil or anything like that or unwise then nine times out of 10, I would say 99 times out of 100, he's going to want to bless us with that. But it may not always happen in the same, in the, the way that we expect, in the time frame we expect, or he may desire to give us even more. And so I have to be willing to trust and entrust my vision to God and ultimately let it be superseded by God's vision making sure that I am aligning myself to God and his will and not trying to force it the other way around and trying to bend God's will to mine. As it says in the prophet Micah, uh, chapter 7, verse 7, As for me, I will look to the Lord. I will wait for God, my Savior. My God will hear me. That trust, you know, these prophets are preaching at a time when, like, there's all this disarray in the Holy Land. Like, people are being taken away into exile. There's war. There's complete destruction. The temple is being destroyed and totally leveled. Like, everyone's connection to God and to their um, ancestral lands, everything that God promised to them looks like it's being taken away. And they are utterly destitute and hopeless. And here, in these moments, the prophets continue to speak profound words of hope, encouraging people that no matter what is going on, no matter how destitute you think you are, how much in despair, how hopeless you are, how un, like totally not to plan things are going, trust and wait for God your Savior. He will hear you. He will hear you. And then lastly, I think we have to really ask, like, am I wanting the right things? 
Am I wanting the right things? This is in Philippians chapter 4, verse starting in verse 8. Paul is exhorting the church in Philippi, Philippi, and he says, Brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, pure, lovely, gracious, if there's any excellence and if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Keep on doing what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. Then the God of peace will be with you. Are these the things like that I am desiring? Is the, are the things that I'm desiring, are they described by things that are true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, gracious? Or the things that I want really for self-aggrandizement, for pride, for power, for greed, for money, for influence, for popularity, for pleasure, whatever it may be. Why do I want the things that I want? Because God who is a loving father and wants to bless me with only things that will bring about my greatest good, he's not going to give me things that are going to hurt me. And so if I have distorted desires or if I have misplaced hopes and aspirations, God is not going to grant those because he doesn't want those things for me. No matter how much I ask, he's not just going to bend and concede and say, okay, like that's not how God works. He can only actively will things that are good. And he will only actively think, actively will things that are good because he loves us. And just like parents have to make difficult decisions about when to say no to their children, and risk their children, you know, saying, like, I hate your guts, you're ruining my life, etc., etc. The parent still stands firm because they know this is what it means for me in this season of my life to love my child and do what's best for them. And so when things don't go as planned, do we try and hold on to the plans, refuse to let go, be stubborn? Do we uh, refuse to assess why do I want it this way in the first place? Do I refuse to trust God and know that he's bringing out some possible good from this? You know, I'm thinking about also like, you know, we installed our, our pastor, or the bishop installed Father Patrick as our pastor. And there are probably, there are probably a lot of people who were worried about that transition, wondering like, who's, who's going to come here? Are things going to be like they were? And the answer is always like, no. <laughs> That's why God is bringing someone new. That's the beauty of the fact that these priests rotate and you don't have the same pastor forever because the Holy Spirit wants to bring someone with new gifts, new leadership, new discernment, and new vision to this place to keep it fresh and keep it focused on the Lord wholeheartedly. And so all of this points to, and this is something I want to begin to do in this podcast, is, is try and align whatever is on my heart, whatever I want to talk about, to whatever the second reading is for that upcoming Sunday. You know, because we have the Bible study that week, which has the gospel, and I'm going to do better, but I usually at some point reference the first reading. And then the middle of the week on Tuesday, we have our Psalm Reflection blog. So that if you were to like consume all of the content, so the two weekly podcast episodes and the the one blog every week, you would have a really in-depth, well, maybe not in-depth, but you would have a real uh, opportunity to spiritually reflect on and hear all of the readings or get a sense of all of them for that upcoming Sunday. And Sunday really is the highest form of prayer. It's we're in the the process in our country of a three-year Eucharistic revival to be reoriented toward worshiping God in the Eucharist and receiving him. And we do that at mass. And so orienting all of our prayer, all of our spiritual formation toward the mass, I think is something really powerful and really um, necessary in this time. And so the second reading for this upcoming Sunday, it comes from 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 8 to 13. And this is what, what um, is written. Beloved, 
uh, this is Paul writing to Timothy, who's a bishop in Ephesus, one of his followers and um, kind of disciples who he, he laid hands on, gave authority to, ordained, and uh, mentored. Beloved, remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, a descendant of David. Such is my gospel for which I am suffering, even to the point of chains like a criminal. But the word of God is not chained. Therefore, I bear with everything for the sake of those who are chosen, so that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Jesus Christ, together with eternal glory. This saying is trustworthy. If we have died with him, we shall also live with him. If we persevere, we shall also reign with him. But if we deny him, he will deny us. If we are unfaithful, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. I love some phrases in here. The word of God is not chained. Even though we may feel chained by sin, by our own preconceived notions or ideas about how our life is meant to go, our own plans, our own goals, the word of God is not chained. It is not bound to having to happen this one way that the word of God is living and effective, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing between both bone and marrow, as scripture says. So that we can trust that If God is doing something different, it's probably better than what we are chaining ourselves to. And that relates to this other phrase that stood out to me. If we have died with him, we shall also live with him. You know, every Christian has to, at some point in their life, mimic the journey of Christ, meaning we all have to die. And we do that in baptism. We are plunged into water, symbolizing a spiritual drowning in one sense and being risen out of the water anew, like a new creation, resurrected into new baptismal life, putting off the old self and putting on the new self. But we also have to learn how to do that with our own virtues and vices. We have to put away, let the vices and sins in us die, the attachments in us die, so that we can live with Jesus. And even when that is difficult, even when we are unfaithful, this passage, it ends reminding us that God is always faithful. He cannot deny himself. And so that even when things don't go as planned, no, God is with you. He is working for your good. And if that is not going to be the thing that he gives you, if he is not answering your prayer and it's becoming abundantly clear, trust that God is going to provide something even greater to fulfill that desire. Now, there is a difference. I want to end with this. There is a difference between discerning when is time to stop praying for that thing, like God is actually saying no, or if God is asking you to just wait. And I think there are clear signs, like there's no opportunity. It seems very unwise and impractical at the time, like this door is just not opening. And maybe your heart doesn't really want it or isn't in it, or maybe another opportunity presents itself. But I think as you pray, you can become more general. Maybe you're praying for the specific thing, like, oh, Lord, I really want this specific job. And your prayer over time can then become, Lord, I just really want this next step in my life to be where you want to lead me. And so show me the path. And so it's not like you're not praying for that job anymore. If that's still a possibility, that's still in the mix. But you're not so solely devoted on praying for that one thing. And secondly... St. Augustine said that sometimes God delays in answering our prayers so that our hearts will grow in order to be large enough to receive what God wants to give us. Remember, prayer does not change God. It doesn't change his mind. 
but it changes us. And sometimes in the longing, we finally become receptive to whatever God is intending to give us. Whereas before all of the prayer, it may have been lost on us. It may have been too overwhelming. We may not have been ready for it. And so, brothers and sisters, the message in this is to keep praying, but to not be attached in prayer, to not be chained in prayer to our preconceived notions, plans, ideas, goals, whatever they may be, but to hold everything with open palms, a loose grip, and allow the Lord to do what he will with everything in our life, to trust that he is a good father who gives good gifts to his children, who is always working for our greatest possible good. And so when things don't go as planned, take a moment and say, good. That must mean that God has something even better. When things don't go as planned, take a moment and say, good. Now I can let go and let my hands be open to receive what God has in store for me. Brothers and sisters, I pray that it is of benefit to you. Know that I am praying for you. Please continue to pray for me. And until next time, I will see you in the Eucharist. God bless. Thank you.